It's the return of the late night, boys. It's been a long time, but we're back. I mean, I guess it really hasn't been that... Return of the Black Coat's Daughter. Return of the Black Coat's Daughter. (laughs) (laughs) It hasn't really been that long, I guess. It feels like a long time for us, because we haven't recorded in like three weeks, but y'all did just get an episode last week. But... We're coming at you from our new digs here in Durham, North Carolina, our inaugural uh, Southern episode. I'm your host, Matisse Van Rossum, and I'm joined by Benny Boy Sheets. We out here sitting in the corner of our room looking at the wall. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Forgive the sound quality. We're recording in our kitchen. And we're also happy to be joined by returning guest Cleveland Mosier, creative director at LightArc Studios. Hi, Cleve. Hello. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, our listeners may remember Cleveland from our fourth episode when we talked about torture porn for like four fucking hours. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That was an interesting time. But uh, Cleveland is is in the room with us this time. It's not remote. Yeah. So. And last time was over six months ago. Yeah, that was a, a long time ago. Uh, once again, uh, excuse the, the sound quality. We've only got two mics, so Ben and Cleve are sharing one. Uh, Eugene is actually not with us this week. Uh, he's uh, back up he in... Had a terrible hook accident. Yeah, um... he, he was he was trying to jerk off with his hook hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can imagine how that everyone. went. Yeah. You're supposed to use the other hand, but, you know, I guess he didn't want to give himself it's a stranger. Dexterous. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> like, like, I can't blame him for that. I mean, sometimes you get an itch, you know, and you forget. Well, this wasn't an itch. I mean... It was It was an itch. The kind of itch you gotta scratch. And that's the problem. But, uh, in, in all seriousness, uh, Eugene will be back next week, hopefully. Uh, he's up in New York uh, in his new digs. But uh, his internet is not cooperating enough to have him uh, Skype into us. So uh, sadly, Eugene is not here. But uh, there's still three of us. So that's more than the last episode. And we're going to be talking tonight about a film that I had not even heard of until like a week ago. I had <laughs> not even heard of at all. Neither have I. Uh, is a film called The Black Coat's Daughter. It uh, came out last year, or it got its wide release last year. Directed by Oz Perkins, his directorial debut. I guess he's acted in some stuff, but uh, this was his first feature film. Uh, he followed it up with I'm the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, which is on Netflix, which I have not seen, but have heard is very boring. Funny bit of trivia that I found is he is actually the son of Anthony Perkins, Oh the, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, Nor- Norman Bates, yeah, the uh, killer from Psycho. That's right. Uh, I think one of his early roles was playing young Norman Bates in like Psycho Four. We should do a, a an episode on the Psycho sequels because I haven't seen them, but I feel like they must be just buck wild. Yeah, I haven't seen any of them either, but the fact that they got Anthony Perkins to return for all of them... The fact that they made four of them more yeah. than anything. <laughs> like, how do you follow up the first one? Yeah, I. you can't. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how how do you... He's arrested, like... Well, I'm sure there's some super corny way that he got out of jail, but that's a, an episode for another day. So we 
we we watched this movie last night and we actually talked about it for like an hour and a half already because um this film is somewhat divisive between us surprisingly um somewhat somewhat at least in in the sense that I really, really, really liked this movie a lot, and Ben, you were less impressed. I I really liked it. Don't get me wrong. I really liked it too. I just think its flaws are more transparent than at least when we were talking before. Than you made them seem. I guess so. It it didn't. Its its flaws did not strike me that hard. But we'll we'll get into that. Let's give some background. This is a film about a uh, young girl goes to an all-girls high school, or a boarding school, I should say, whose parents don't come to pick her up for winter break, and she seems to be possessed by the devil, maybe? Hail Satan! (laughs) I can't ever hear Hail Satan without thinking of the Woodland Critter Christmas episode of South Park. (laughs) That (laughs) South Park has ruined Hail Satan for me. We we sort of talked a little bit about this in our in our Veronica episode a few weeks ago, but devil worship, uh, demonic possession movies have been done to death, and not very creatively. Um, at least in recent years, we we cited The Exorcist obviously as the standard, you know, um, by by which all demonic possession movies are set. And uh, I was very pleasantly surprised with how fresh a lot of this movie felt. Maybe not in the plot, but at least in its approach. Yeah, it's definitely an art house take on that demonic possession genre. Right. It's produced by uh, A24, um, who has produced basically every movie that I've loved for like the last four years. They have a pretty solid track. They have an incredibly actually, solid track they record. They got into video game publishing pretty recently. I know they did uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. Yeah, which year. I've heard is really yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't played through that myself, but I've I've heard rave reviews. Maybe just how much I love a lot of A24 movies always gives me kind of a bias when I see their logo before a movie, but it seems like they don't pick shit for the most part they have a very good track record of picking good movies for the most part there are some exceptions it's hard to think of them off the top of my head but i do remember distinctly a few forgettable movies i mean sure but if forgettable is your greatest sin then that's not that bad in the grand scheme of things well that's the thing you know they haven't done anything that's like too offensively bad right um they they did produce the witch which uh we've mentioned on the show a few times um one of my favorite horror movies of uh the past decade easily um and this movie actually gave me a lot of the same vibes that the witch did but i mean it's totally different movie totally different story but the sense of like dread that just builds throughout the entire movie and that I'm just like uncomfortable for the most of the film it's the same in this movie for me stylistically they're similar too I would say a little bit yes I I know both of you guys it took you a little while to be more sold on it but I was on the edge of my seat from the opening shot when uh, Catherine, the main character, played fantastically by uh, Kiernan Shipka. Yeah, killed it. 
um, wakes up, wakes up in her bed and this sort of black shape passes between her and the camera and she looks up and says, uh, I, I think she said, daddy, you came early, something like that. And then it cuts and the movie like starts and just like that was so unsettling well, for me. They they intercut it with like a car crash a little bit. Well, I, yeah, her her outside looking at uh, like a, a burning car. That was a little weird to me. I I thought it worked, but I I was confused about the the car crash with the rest of the movie. Yeah, I, I think it adds as well. it adds context. By the to, end. Uh, yeah, the stuff we'll get into in a little bit. Totally, it felt kind of strange. Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I was definitely confused by it. And then I kind of forgot about it, honestly, until the end. And then I was like, oh, yeah, the car crash. That makes a lot more sense now. Um, we'll, we'll get into that. But um, what what really one of the things that really worked well for me in this movie is that there's sort of an emotional distance from all of the characters. None of the characters are particularly relatable or sympathetic. There's kind of this sort of like sterile stiltedness to it that makes it hard to connect with, but I think it makes it uncomfortable because it's kind of like, this isn't how real people interact or talk. Kind of like in in Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. It had a similar style to Killing of a Sacred Deer in that everyone's very flat acting-wise and expressionless and uh, mostly emotionless, you know? Like, you get hints of it, but it's usually pretty subtle. Yeah, it's, it, it's like... I, I think I said this last night. It's like an amalgamation of what people are supposed to be like but just off enough that it's unsettling yeah um the different the big difference in style between like killing of a sacred deer and this is killing of a sacred deer takes that aspect and injects a dark sense of humor into it where this movie is very humorless yeah no, there, there's no, there's no jokes. And whatsoever. sometimes I think that's a little bit to its detriment in this, because so, sometimes when it gets not so subtle in this movie, I feel like if yeah. it's a little, maybe not self-aware, but uh, willing to add that sort of dark irony, I, it would have worked a little better. I don't, me. I don't know if I agree. Um, just because with Killing of a Sacred Deer, there's something uh, inherently absurd about the premise, so it gets away with some of that like super dry, absurd humor, whereas I think this movie is much more... Uh, I don't want to say generic, but generic in terms of, in terms of its concept... That I think if it had started to get self-aware that it would have taken me out of it a little bit. I agree with you that some of the stuff that is uh, way too over the top, like when when Kat's in bed and she's like under the sheets, like writhing, and then she bends over backwards like in The Exorcist. Like that is so jarring from the subtlety of the rest of the movie that it it's it like it takes you out of it for a second 
And I agree that that is that that's not the right tone that the movie's going for. But I think the fix for that is just take that shit out. Yeah. Yeah. There were a few times when I was like, you don't really need this in the movie. This movie was interesting to me because it rode that line between being not subtle enough, especially in stuff like that, and being too subtle, where I think at times it felt like there was such a distance with the characters that they kind of felt a little too flat. I felt that way at the very beginning of the film, but by by the first, uh, like right before the first act, I, I I felt like they they had pulled my interest enough that I was I was keen to to key into even like the really the, the small nuances and the subtleties of the conversation. Yeah, for... early on, I agree with you. I think like the the conversation with the headmaster and uh, several other moments between the two girls at the beginning, I didn't really have any cause to be. Uh, any sort of uh, emotional association with either of them. So I was just sort of left sort of floating as to who to care for or what to feel. So I wasn't really worried for anyone. I was just sort of giggling. But once I started, once I I felt, uh, once I was given a reason to feel for the, um, Anna, was it? No. Catherine. uh, Catherine. Rose. Rose. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Yeah, once we're given, like, a little bit more uh, reason to feel concerned for Rose, I, uh, I was more keyed into the conversations and how sort of obtuse they were. See, I I was I was pretty sold on on the distance and the subtlety from from the very beginning. Like even in that 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 first conversation with the headmaster, which is the first scene we get after the the car crash bit at the beginning, that was what really keyed me into like this weird distance with the dialogue, especially the way Catherine is acting. And I think it does a really good job to set up the idea that something is is wrong with her because she's like you said being very flat uh apathetic uh well, yeah, kind, of, kind of kind of kind of fake part is yeah. it's set up immediately and her character is just that throughout the movie there it, it almost simplifies her character where if there was a little more discovery of that it would have felt like her character was more complex and had a bit more of an arc. I think story. I think it would have I think having too much of that sort of development into the state that all the characters get would undercut I, th- I undercut think if they would have hinted um, at her un- instability a little more subtly at the beginning. No, I don't because a part of the the fear of Cat is how unstable is she? And you, you really, you, you don't know what she's capable of at the beginning. And you're, you're trying to guess at it before she makes any moves, um, or goes. Well, yes, but, but that, that, that would, that would be more effective if they were increasingly making her seem more and more unstable throughout the movie. They do a little bit of that, but I don't think they do quite enough. Because I think they start at too much of it. I think they, yeah, they, you think they jump the gun? A little yeah, they, they play I, their I, cards that. on that a little too early. Yeah. And I, it kind of simplifies their character. Just, just a with the one, like, much. bending back shot. But I mean. Well, yeah, that, yeah. that's, that's and, ridiculous. And it's so unfortunate, but... too, because, like, that could have just, like, just, just a quick snip and put that on the floor of the, the editing room. Well, for sure. Like, all, every time it, it got, like, a minute out of your run Every time it got to that point for me where it went too over the top, 
it could have been fixed with a very simple cut. I would be like, that's the thing. Those scenes went on for even longer and that's actually what was cut. I, that, that wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah. I, uh, I, a compromise or a fight to get to that level. I, I think that, that, that part at the beginning, it does more than anything. It, it just sets the tone of the movie really well. Like we talked about last night too, the score does so much to increase the tension in this. I feel like it does a lot of the heavy lifting in the first half. I, I, while, while stuff is building up. You know, the score is what keeps it feeling tense throughout. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, but I don't see that as necessarily a detriment because it's Neither doing not. it's doing what a film score should. A yeah, film yeah. score is is meant to influence the the mood of the scene. There's it, nothing wrong with the character yeah, the definitely. team wins. It's kind of like a like an auditory yeah. version of like the Kuleshov effect where it tells you what you're supposed to be feeling based on its yeah. reference cuz like I did I was thinking at one point where uh cat is setting the dinner table and she like a, a spoon is crooked and she adjusts it and we've got that shot of her like from below and I was just thinking at that time like if this scene was devoid of music, if it was totally silent, it would be almost comedic. It would be kind of laughable. It would be something that you see in like a comedy to show that a character is quirky or OCD or whatever, yeah. you know. But because of the music, it's like this is like this is unsettling. What yeah. did you think of that like auditory jump scare that they had with the gunshot? Didn't like oh, that. I was not. I was. I was displeased by that gun jump scare. Honestly, honestly, it was, it was unnecessary. I thought it kind of un. It, it didn't fit with the rest of the movie because I feel like the it's rest the only of the jump movie scare is, in the movie. Yeah, it's the only jump scare, and if the the rest of the movie is fairly subtle for yeah. the most part, so it kind of felt unnecessary i can i agree with that to an extent like i don't feel like much would be lost if you removed it but the fact that it was a jump scare that was not telegraphed a mile away which a lot of horror movies do it'll be like oh they'll cut the music off and everything's silent and then bah jump scare and loud noise the fact that it really came out of nowhere i think makes it more effective than most jump scares that you would see the, eh, I, the I only the only it made me jump. I, like, I mean I yes I it did i wasn't laughing at it like it, the, it made me jump the only I, argument I the only argument that i can give it maybe in favor of that jump scare and it's kind of a flimsy argument but it's right in that first scene when we're introduced to emma roberts character like after she gets off the uh off the bus and i i thought she had just gotten out of prison or something like she looks haggard as fuck and then she's in the bathroom and we see she's got like a a hospital wristband on that she like tears off and then they do some some like uh like quick cuts to like her in a in like a mental hospital so i feel like the the that like jump scare with the with the shotgun with somebody shooting a shotgun is just kind of like, I guess it's supposed to be sort of to indicate that she's really fragile. That she's kind of mm. like, I, I mean, I, like I, I said, it's, it's a flimsy it's argument. It, you it, wouldn't it, it didn't jump work scare. for me. Yeah, it didn't really work for me. That, that, that was the same shot that we had the uh, 
the the nice uh, character name overlays, right? Uh, yeah, I think it was in that first scene. Uh, we should we should get into that a little bit. Yeah, um, that was weird. So I... this this movie presents itself as having uh, three main characters. Cat, uh, the the freshman girl who is possessed by the devil or whatever. Um, then uh, this older girl Rose, who uh, told her parents to pick her up like a day later than she was supposed to be picked up because she thinks she's pregnant and she has to tell her boyfriend or whatever about it. So she's stuck in uh, this empty school with Cat, and then Emma Roberts' character Joan, who seems at least for a while completely unrelated to the rest of the narrative like a it's like a like a b plot but the fact that throughout the movie they'll do these shots where they just have the character's name like overlaid one of the shots like that was something that didn't work very well for me i think it's because it was turquoise (laughs) well i had a couple of problems with it but Mainly the like the, the, the color, color choice was, was definitely so weird. Like, well, that I, I was expect like that kind of like if if you would replace that with like poppy music, it would have looked like that. Just that singular shot, it would it would have felt like the intro to like a, a Disney special or something. Like this meat cat, you know. Like I mean the the knows. opening the opening credits were the same color though. So I mean I don't know why they were, were they? in that color and, and either. You know? Like what what was the choice of formatting? The the color was? the color is not what bothered me. It's that the showing the the names did not seem to serve any purpose other than to be like okay here's our three main characters. It's like do you not trust the audience enough to pick up who the movie is about? Which I mean I guess is kind of a trick. Because I mean, it there's really not three main characters. There's really one, but uh, I I mean I don't know that 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 didn't work for me either. Um, but it's it's such a minor thing. It's like oh, it's three shots where we see somebody's name. Well, I mean, Rose is kind of still a main character. I would argue. I mean, somewhat. Well, she's set up to be like the primary character at the beginning. I think because she she they put her in the place of being. Uh, the the normal one who's stuck here with this girl who's possessed by the devil and she has to find out what's happening and save the day or whatever. At least that's how they set her up. That doesn't end up being the conclusion. Uh, she she lasts for a long time in the movie. She does. She does. So she I does. would even argue she is a main character in the movie, even though she dies. You know? I mean, yes, but she's she's less important, I think. She, I mean, it, it, yes, I, I actually agree, but for a different reason. I think the other two stories, the cat and uh, Joan. Joan character, those stories both have a similar theme in that they're kind of explorations of the tension of loneliness yeah. and mental fragility, uh, where the cat story, or not the cat, the, the rose story didn't quite match up with that right well that's that's why that's why i thought she was gonna be like your typical horror movie heroine because it's like she's she's really there more than anything so cat has cat as a character has somebody to play off of there wouldn't be as much to do if cat was just at the school by herself i felt like she still she felt um 
she still had a sense of, of sterility to her, but, but also relatability. Like, there was enough relatability with her that I was worried for her as a person. But, but also, I, was I felt like she, she was sterile enough that she fe- she met, her character matched the tone the film was going for. I just feel like the story of her character didn't quite mesh with the themes of the other two storylines. In the, well, yeah, but she's supposed to you clash know. with her. Yeah, I think that's I think that's intentional. But it should still meet within the themes. I think you can do where you still explore some of her loneliness while you know having them be foils. Yeah. I think that's doable. You could either do it that way, or you could do Rose a little bit more from Cat's perspective. See see a little more of Rose's story second hand almost. You get a little bit of that. Especially later on when you uh, reinterpret the scenes from Kat's perspective, which right. I thought was really cool. Yeah, I know I liked that too, which is why I think that they needed to do those scenes initially from Rose's perspective. Yeah. Because Kat's perspective later on when we revisit those scenes is part of the 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 twist. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I agree somewhat, but I, I I still think they could have explored those themes. A Maybe more I in her storyline. I look I look at Rose more as a plot device than a character. She's she's there more like she she's still like there's still something to her character. Like she's important, but her place in the movie is really. Uh, to be there at, to to act as as a as a window into what is happening with Cat from an outsider's perspective, because you get that inside perspective towards the end of the movie. Sure, sure, it, it worked in that respect. Yeah. I just think since they did give her a narrative arc in it, and arguably like the most fleshed out arc sure. in the movie, it should have been a little more focused on the the themes of the movie yeah i don't know if i I, if i agree with that just that i don't think that uh every character in the film should should fit to like those those core themes of of roses it it focuses the film if they did that you know though though rose does stick around for the majority of the film there is definitely a noticeable shift away from her uh, in the second act towards uh, Joan, Emma Roberts' character. Um, and that's where the movie picked up for me. Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. That's that's where it the tension really started to ramp. Like, it was building before that, um, but when we start to get more into her character, I, I'm very, very lukewarm on Emma Roberts as an actress. I I think she's she's kind of obnoxious in a lot of things that I've seen her in. Um, but I mean, she's got decent chops. She's, she's pretty good in American Horror Story. Um, I thought she was really good in this. I thought she was good in this too, but I, I feel like she is kind of typecast to like pretty girl with problems. (laughs) Like she always seems to be playing like kind of like strung out junkie style characters. Which is, I mean, she's not a junkie in this movie, but it's the same kind of thing. Um, but I, I think, I, I agree. I think she did a good job in this. Uh, and when she's at the bus station, she gets picked up by uh, 
James Remar um, and his wife uh, who offer to uh, drive her to the town she's going to because, as we find out, she uh, she reminds uh, James Remar of his daughter. Um, but before we get to that, like when they're in the diner and he tells her that there's like this really, really awful tension. And I mean, like awful in a good way. Like when he comes into her hotel room after she's like taken a shower and she's she's... wearing a towel sitting on the bed and and he comes into the room and there's a very, very tense moment between the two or not between necessarily the two of them. Uh, but we're at this point seeing this scene from her perspective and it's a strange man in her room who she doesn't necessarily know the motives of his kindness. Right. Well, and because of the distance from all of the characters, everybody in this movie is very unreadable. Very. And especially James Ramar in this scene, because like, like legitimately that whole scene, I was like, he's gonna, he's gonna rape her. Yeah, something terrible is going like to something terrible is going to happen and then it doesn't yeah and well right and even in their conversation he says several things to her that could be taken as very dark but at the end of the conversation you you sort of are, are set up to realize that he doesn't even realize what he's saying can be interpreted that way because he's just right. a christian man who wants to help Right, but yeah, like when does have good intentions. When she asks, like, uh, "When are we leaving?" and he's like, "Well, what's the hurry?" Yeah, I was like, "Oh, what he's actually trying to do is relieve the tension there and be like, oh, there's no rush. We're just having a good time here.'" And really, it comes much more. Yeah, he's he's really he's really just trying to like find out about this strange young girl that he's picked up on the side of the road to help to help but like the way the way that that scene is treated it, it he comes across as so fucking sinister yeah and i thought that was very cool to i thought that was really the, good the too good christian like you know uh helper on the road to nazareth uh to make them almost appear as a villain at the beginning is was really nice that was, that was a really nice touch. you know when that was going on they they cut down to a shot of her with like what seemed like a piece of glass or like something sharp something. Yeah. yeah in her in so her, I, I was her wondering hand. if like she was gonna like stab him too at the same time yeah that, that well, scene uh, yeah like, i expected added to the tension yeah um, just just the way he's acting and her fiddling with that piece of glass or whatever like it really sets it up for like okay there's about to be a struggle he's gonna try to rape her and she's gonna stab him and then it totally subverts your expectations and he's just like He's like, oh, there's a restaurant next door. Why don't you get dressed and come downstairs and have some dinner? And then he leaves. It's like, oh, yeah, he he really is just trying to help. And then we have the scene of them in the restaurant, and he tells her about his daughter who uh, died nine years prior. And he's like, oh, I have a picture. And he hands it to her. The big reveal. And the picture is... Rose, her school picture that we see uh, being taken of her at the very beginning of the movie when she's first introduced. So that awesome, like, like 50s spooky Hollywood score. Yeah, that timber timbre shit. Yeah. Um, so then, of course, it's like, wait, what the fuck is going on here? Like, because we're intercutting this with Rose and Kat, 
and now we're we're being told that uh rose died nine years ago so i mean i was i was really wondering what they were trying to set up like is rose a ghost and cats possessed by the devil well, and is I mean, she they, dead is she in the afterlife in this school i feel, of some sort I feel of weird like purgatory? they kind of blew their is she load. in hell yeah with that question by having Emma Roberts's character laugh. Oh yeah, the way she reacts I think is Oh, she goes back into the bathroom afterwards yeah, and laughs. Right, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like that then that tells us that Emma Roberts has some sort of connection to to Rose. Um which you know, like it works, but I wish they wouldn't have blown their load on that twist so early. I actually disagree. I, I um, I well, you didn't pick up on the twist. Yeah, you didn't. Pick up I, I didn't. I, I'll openly admit it. Like, but I, I, I did, or I at least, I at least guessed it. I wasn't convinced of it yet, but See, I questioned. I, I agree. I almost. I almost thought they were going to do one of those, you know... A bait-and-switch. Bait-and-switch, yeah. yeah. Where it, they, they hint at it this twist. could have been, maybe wasn't. And, yeah. you know, it had nothing to do with it. But they end up going with it. Yeah. I mean, because it is, it is the obvious answer. I just... I, I, I guess, for me, the, the likeness between Emma Roberts and... Um, Cat. Cat. Yeah, and, and, and Cat was, was just... Uh, not strong enough. Yeah, I thought the same thing. To, well, to make that association that she could be an older right. Cat. What, spoilers <laughs> that that is the twist. But um, yeah, I I was thinking the same thing. Um, but by the end of the movie, it didn't bother me because then there that would not have been any sort of reveal if they had gotten an actress who looks just like Kiernan Shipka or really close to her, then it would have been like, you well, see well, her when she's older, it's like, oh, yeah. well, it's obviously but like her you, you older. Just, you guys said, like, you picked up on that connection at that point anyway. Well, because, so right. would it have? I mean, well, no, 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 what I'm saying... That's what the, I, is, I did like that they revealed it so early. No, 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 but what I'm saying is that if the likeness was too similar, then you would have picked up on it as soon as you see her. Yeah, or at least there wouldn't have been any room for doubt. Well, yeah, that that also, but you would have, you probably would have picked up on it. Like, well, this chick looks just like Kiernan Shipka, so it must be her when she's older. They they set it up. It's like, okay, there's these three different characters, and then it turns out that two of the characters are the same person, and that it's just non-linear narrative. So, like, yeah, I, I I think they don't look enough alike, but I think that that is necessary for it to be a reveal and to not just be obvious from the first time you see her character. It doesn't bother me. No, me, no, by, by the end, least. by the end, me either. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say that any of my gripes I had for this film were minimal. Like, I, I not, none of the gripes I had for this movie had me livid at the film or whatever. No, or, no, or, no, or no, no, there were, there were those... Or even, like, really harmed the experience that much outright, except there were the There were those few moments where it goes too over the top, uh, like the bending over backwards, and I even thought when the uh, the the sisters uh, tell Cat to say grace, and she can't get through it because she vomits. Um, I thought that was a little bit too in much. The of the exorcist. In the spirit of yeah. the exorcist, and the bending over backwards in the spirit, spirit of, of the, the exorcist. exorcist. Yeah. Which and was the, fine. And the, and the hail and the hail Satan line later on. The thing that bothered me about that scene when she. You know, she has all the heads 
next to the furnace and like cop comes out is like the whole scene was like in a like a pitched down like audio yeah, like and the cops, with, the cops' voice was like distorted. Yeah, and with the hail Satan, it, it just was a little too much. It was too me. much. I agree. It went just too far because I thought everything else about that scene was really good. Let's talk a little bit before we get into the ending and our theories on the ending. Let's talk a little bit about some of the escalation of of the creepiness because we haven't gotten into that yet and. There's one scene in particular that sets the bar really fucking high. I think you guys know the one. Oh, yeah. Um, when Rose is in the bathroom and she hears a voice coming through the vents and she goes down into the basement to the boiler room and she looks through this little window into the room by the furnace and we just see Cat's silhouette kneeling and like kowtowing yeah like spasmodically like worshiping the furnace yeah and like the music in that scene and that shit was so fucking creepy girl watched girl watched home alone one too many times yeah (laughs) (laughs) but like I know that was the turning point for you, Cleveland. Like yeah, I was, exactly I was, I was, I was taken. I was on board before that, but that part is arguably the most effective scene in the movie, yeah. and it's really simple too. But it's mm-hmm. just done so well. The lead up is great. It's really, great. it's really fucking creepy. Yeah, like yeah. it's so unsettling. You can barely see Cat. I wasn't even sure if it was her in the shot. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's just like yeah. this this black silhouette and just like the speed at which she's bowing and coming back up and bowing. It's like yeah, like, with a, like just spasming. Yeah, it's it's really fucking creepy yeah. and it's so, so simple, but so well done. Yeah. And I, uh, I could definitely relate to Rose during that scene for me when she's in the bathroom and she hears the strange pitter pattering around because I've had what I think are squirrels in my attic for the past uh, few uh, <laughs> past month or so and uh, it's and uh, I generally live alone and uh, so when you're when you're working when you're working away and then suddenly you hear footsteps or strange noises in your house it's yeah the it's first creepy thing you kind of want to think is oh it's a ghost and you're like no it's just squirrels in my roof you know right we'll we'll keep you posted but uh, <laughs> yeah well hopefully it's not ghosts yeah I'll, I'll be I'll be getting that dealt with very soon but yeah and then we uh, later on cat just straight up kind of murders the the two sisters oh, i do want to i do want to bring up the point too where rose like barricades her door when she goes to bed that oh night. yeah well yeah because she's that's another point where i was like yeah smart yeah after you. after that scene where like cat's laying in bed and rose goes to like check on her and cat's saying that like she because she can't get in touch with her parents she keeps trying to call them and she can't get in touch and she's just like they're dead i know they're dead and rose is like no don't say that just go to like you can't say that just go to bed everything will be fine in the morning and she's like uh is there anything else i can do for you or can i get you something and cash is like no you already had your chance yeah, and, and then that's when Rose goes to her room and barricades the door. Yeah. Like, yeah, Nips I would have, I would have done the same thing. And honestly, right, and that's at, where I related. Like, that's how one, I relate to her character. After, like, after you're, I you're saw, after I, if I were Rose, after I had seen cat uh, down in that in the boiler room uh-huh. I wouldn't have even wanted to like be in the same building I'm like I'm gonna go out and sleep in the snow oh, yeah the the one thing I, I before we move on about it uh, is 
the boiler room scene, while it was super effective for me, I feel like it was lessened a little bit because Cat was already shown as unstable. If that was one of our earlier hints that something was amok... Mm, it's it's shown that there's something wrong with her prior or, to or this. Something is happening to her, even. But I I don't know. If, like, that's like, uh, that's where you. That's where I think it it shows you the the gravity of the situation. Right, and how it just. I think it really does. It it escalates the scenario very quickly because right. the, the slow the slow pacing of the film, the the extended like the extended soundtrack. I. I thought that this movie wasn't going to have any payoff until, like, going into it, like, for the first ten minutes, I was under the impression this film wasn't going to have any payoff for the next 40 minutes. Um, uh, and instead it, it ramps up fairly quickly. Yeah. Uh, and I was I was glad for that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. And I mean, up till that point, you know, you can kind of be like, oh, she doesn't know what happened to her parents. Her parents aren't responding. They're not coming to pick her up. It's like she's scared. She's worried. Something's wrong. Maybe she doesn't have a good relationship with her parents. It's like you can sort of write off the way she's acting as like troubled teenager. And then when you see that, then it's like, okay, there's something much more severe going on here. So I, I think that I don't think that was lessened by how they built it up at all. I, I think it was. Well, I, it's it's a little harder to just believe troubled teenager when like the the music cues make you so uneasy every time she's on screen to well, the but... point where it's obvious she's unstable i mean yes but the music is not just like that when she's on screen the music's kind of always like that yeah there's kind of there's kind of always that sense of unease and dread like the music is just kind of yeah like it to me it didn't like the 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 tension of the music didn't set up the fact that she was was insane it to me it set up that something was wrong either like uh, in in her midst or, right. or not like i i don't think it was enough well that's that, that that's a crazy. good that's a good segue into what what we did talk a lot about last night and is uh, we can flesh out details as we discuss but by the end of the movie i think there's it it's pretty open ended that either there is indeed something supernatural going on and cat is possessed by the devil or She's just mentally unwell. She's schizophrenic. Yeah, and I've been thinking about this a lot over the past day. And the more I think about it, the more I think it's only schizophrenia. And I don't think that base level just demonic possession even works. In what respect? How does it, how does it not work? Because it, it makes things like the car accident at the beginning and... Uh, a lot of the uh, secondary uh, plot points unnecessary. I mean, I, I would think that the the car accident at the beginning, because it's doesn't that that's a dream for her, isn't it? It's it's presented as a dream, dream. sequence. Yeah, like like she, it's it's essentially is she she's right. Her parents were killed. Yes. Yes, like, then, I think I think so. It's that, never that event is almost premonitory for her it's and never like that, that i most, i didn't like, i didn't see that as a dream sequence possessed. i saw that as a a memory that she had well i mean in that scene i mean we don't see him but she is accompanied by the devil in in that scene 
So I think I think interpreting it as as a premonition because it starts with her waking up and the devil it quote unquote is standing over her and then it cuts to that where she's standing there with him just off camera and she sees that so i think you could interpret it as as a premonition or or i mean it could be a memory it's never stated that her parents or her schizophrenic break right right i mean it could very well be a memory and that could have been her schizophrenic break is the death of her parents but i agree with you in the sense that to me though never stated outright that cat is indeed insane that this is that this is uh that this is mental instability well, and rather I, than I demonic possession. I think it's more interesting much that way. Better movie if you interpret it that I way. I think so. I think so too. But it is because it never explicitly states one way or another. It is open to interpretation. You yes. could interpret it as a straightforward demonic possession story. Uh, I will story. say, if you're just going into it at, for a demonic possession baseline. You know, not thinking about it too much story, you probably won't get as much out of this well, movie. I don't I know. That's one of the neat things about Maybe. being along the ride from from Cat's perspective of, uh, for for such a portion of this film is that Cat isn't really sure if it is either. Well, I think she, I think she genuinely believes she wants it to be. Same. Yeah, but like, but she wouldn't have committed the the ritual again and hoping it would show up and have been so disappointed to see him not show up. If she was also not sure. I mean, she'd right. been in that institution for so long. Well, the, like, being told that she was crazy, she had problems, she needed to be fixed. Right. That, that she was Medicated to, as yeah, well. Yeah, she was trying to, you know, create this other ritual sacrifice as a means to prove whether or not she was insane. So the audience not being sure along with her takes you along on that ride. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Because, because with her parents' death, her sense of abandonment leads her to adopt the devil as as a new father figure. Yeah. I mean, that's why the movie's called The Black Coat's Daughter. The other big catalyst was Rose telling her that the nuns worship Satan in the basement. I think so, yes. Well, that. when we... Because, yeah, uh, she says I, it's like a school rumor that the nuns... Uh, worship the devil and they have it, no hair check their eyebrows yeah in, and know, they they, they were caught worshiping him yeah. in the basement when, and it's after the nuns, the nuns have regular eyebrows right and it and it's after that scene originally when we're given it from rose's perspective yeah. that's it, it's right after that or shortly after that that she finds cat in the basement worshiping the furnace mm -hmm. it and then when we see it later from cat's perspective because after she murders the two nuns and she murders rose and removes their heads um we see uh, a lot of the the previous scenes but from her perspective where there's this sort of shapeless black figure with horns or donkey ears or something that's sort of there like we see it uh, behind Rose in the scene when she's telling her about the nuns worshiping the devil. And I, I like that a lot because, 
like the back of Cat's head is in focus, mm-hmm. and then Rose and the the devil are out of focus. Yeah, by by premise, it reminded me of it, it was a, a much more subtle, I think, much better done Donnie Darko. <laughs> yeah, it kind of looked like rabbit ears a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I got a very strong Donnie Darko vibes off of it, but but only but much in, more subtle, not in a bad way. Like I think this did it. To me, a, a better, much more terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Job much, much more subtle. But what I love, I love about seeing that is it's like Rose is the one who really allowed that seed of the devil being present in this school to sort of flourish in Cat's head. If she's yeah. already un, unstable, she and she's all, own murder. and she's already seeing things and hearing voices, then it's like, oh there's devil worship at this school even though there's not Mm. but it's like okay well then i'm gonna go down to the basement and worship the devil i need a new father my my parents are dead so i i need to i need somebody who's not going to abandon me and then to have her come back later as joan and then kill james remar and his wife and take their heads down into the basement and then to not see anything and then it ends with her standing in the street at a crossroads well and you get, crying you get hints of that need of a father figure from you know the first scene at the school when she's talking to the headmaster yeah that's a good point too and you yeah know, she in really doesn't want him to leave you know right right she he's going off to albany and she says like oh i just wish you could be here to see my performance or whatever so it's like yeah she's whether whether that's a memory or a premonition, she already is in need of of a new father figure, and she's she's sort of desperate for that. And then to have her well, that's the thing. I think her parents died before the events of the movie. I I thought so initially too, but then that opens up all kinds of questions like how did she get enrolled? How did she get enrolled? Yeah. Why would the school be calling her parents? If her parents were dead, the school would know. Things like that. I I think it makes more sense as as a premonition, like like you said, Cleveland. I mean, which I guess opens the possibility of of the supernatural having a premonition of your parents' death. Yeah, but, I, I almost feel like it's more far-fetched as that than it is to imagine her somehow getting into the school without people knowing all the information about her back. I mean, I guess, but, like, private schools are expensive. Like, boarding schools also, are like, expensive. The, the first like, conclusion that, that most of, most anyone comes to when someone doesn't show up after an extended period of time is something's it, wrong is, and something's happened yeah. to them. So, like, that just a schizophrenic break of being like, Oh my god, they're they're probably dead, and you know they might just be like. I think that that could just be a. You and know, for honestly, science. honestly, for all we know, they could not be dead. They might yeah. have just been coming We're, to pick I, her up I, I on was, Friday. I've been that idea all like in my head all night. Like the yeah the, the the thought that like she murders those people, cuts their heads off because her parents are dead, and Satan's there, and then her parents just drive up. Well, because oh hey honey, because Rose's parents aren't coming until a couple of days later anyway, and Rose keeps saying, "Oh, your parents probably thought the pickup was on Friday. I'm sure they'll be here on Friday." And all of the events of this happen before that. Also, so it's a snowstorm when like the power uh, lines can just gone down. Right. So. 
it it's possible her parents aren't dead at all, and she just had a uh, a, a schizophrenic dream about her parents dying. And like you said, when you don't hear from somebody, you immediately assume the worst. That's just natural, you know. But that's that's why all of this stuff is like open to interpretation. I definitely think the film is more interesting when you look at it from the perspective of her being crazy. Yeah, but I think it's good that it was open because she's not sure either. Yeah, and it's you gain her perspective in that. And I, I liked it. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that if you go into this looking for a demonic possession movie that you'll be bored or have a bad time. Like, you know, you could like, even the, I think the moments where they, they paid homage to, or just directly pulled from the exorcist, the exorcist, uh, that they were good. And like, but they, they were like moment after moment after each other. I was going to say, cause after, uh, right before, she vomits. She also she she calls the nun uh, a, a, a cunt. cunt. Yeah. Or no, like, it's it's after that. It's after, after she yeah, throws which is, up. Again, yeah. Like, right out of the Exorcist. Like well, there's just so many little points. And that's but I think they're all very well done. That's something yeah. that we were talking about last night too. The possibility that uh, she'd actually seen the Exorcist. Well, right. That if she that if she would if she is is uh, crazy and she thinks that she's possessed by the devil, mm-hmm. her references for being possessed by the devil would, the would probably come out of the Exorcist because that's everybody's like go to for demonic possession. So from that perspective, it makes the over the top Exorcist moments a little bit more forgivable for me. I still think they're too much, and that it would yeah, be better yeah. without. Or just yeah. specifically the bending over backwards bit. I yeah, think that one's cutting that that like two second shot out. That one's the worst. That one's yeah. the worst yeah. defender for sure. Because it's just silly. They don't do the the effect well enough to well, begin with. Also, yeah. because the lead up to that, just like with the hail yeah, Satan scene, great. is good. Where we get that shot of her like lying under totally covered by her sheets and she's just like gently spasming and then we cut to under the sheets and we see her face if they had just cut right after yeah. that it would have been it would have been perfect yeah, it been but then great. but then or we get just started to come up and you cut away then like, we but then we get just, like a, a two second shot of her legs bending yeah, back like over her head for a crab walk. yeah and it's like yeah. It's in in terms of how subtle everything else in the movie is building up to that. A, a moment like that is laughable. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, and you know, I I agree. Uh, if you go into this movie just for horror, you're gonna have a good time. You know, it's oh, yeah. a good movie. I mean, it depends. Uh, it depends I, I, I'll on watching it again. The thing is, you're just gonna get less out of it. I think than if perhaps you see it uh, as you know. Honestly, honestly, I think you'll get as much out of this movie as you go into it looking for. Yeah. If you go into it expecting just a straightforward demonic possession, Satan worship thing, that's what you'll get. Yeah, and I, and I think it definitely... It but, done, but done well, it helped you know? It none of us had really heard or seen that much about the film. Yeah, the into o- it, We were all pretty fresh, and our expectations were, were you know, middle. You know, middle all, the only reason I had heard about this movie at all was uh from a red letter media video where where Jay Bauman talks about uh how much he enjoyed that movie and how effective he thought it was and I mean it was it was like in passing like they mentioned it and I was like oh that sounds cool I want to check that out so I suggested that we watch it and I I mean I'm glad I'm glad we did Oh yeah yeah um, because uh, it worked really really well for me but I definitely agree that if you look at it as uh, an exploration of abandonment and loneliness and mental instability, it's far more interesting than if you just look at it as uh, 
as your your straightforward possessed by the devil. Yeah. I'll, I said it after we watched the film, but I, I think that the movie uh, achieves everything it sets it sets out to do. I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. I before we go on to ratings, I do want to compare this movie really quickly to uh, a movie. It stares at night. Or it, it comes, comes at, at night. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes at night. Uh, which came out last, last year. year as well. Yeah. Um, they're very similar in style, I would say. I think so. You know, they're very subtle and kind of obtuse at times. Even. Yeah. The difference is this movie has a payoff. Yeah, that's where that's it my. Comes at night didn't really. Yeah, and I respect this movie for that. For sure. And if we bring up uh, further comparatives, I would say uh, actually the the game Silent Hill two. I, I I did want to mention that at least once because the, the soundtrack the, the in terms of the the, the soundtrack, soundtrack for sure the, like, the distant conversation. Uh, I I got that that vibe pretty strong. Yeah, I can like, I can see that as well. The the I, same yeah. kind of style and like. The setting of this movie uh, is really great, like in upstate New York in the winter, and it's cold and bleak and dreary and empty. It reminded me, and you actually brought this up last night, Cleveland, but it reminded me in terms of setting of like uh, Let the Right One In, yes, which is also yeah. about loneliness. And it's yeah, yeah, it's it's the same kind of thing, and. Uh, Having just moved from a place where winters are very much like that, like it's definitely the kind of place, the kind of thing that you can relate to. Like, yeah, winters like that are fucking cold and bleak and miserable and lonely. And I think it was the perfect setting for this movie. I love how the last shot is Emma Roberts standing out at that crossroads in the snow, crying because daddy wasn't there. Yeah. She went back, she murdered again, she did the ritual, and Satan didn't come to her. So she was abandoned by her real parents because they were killed, or maybe not. Um, And she was abandoned by her adoptive demonic father as well. Although, the the last part of that shot, she does look up at something off camera. So they could either be maybe she sees him finally, or maybe she's just staring off into the distance. Yeah. Maybe Leonardo DiCaprio is still dreaming. Maybe he's not. Yeah, uh, kind of. <laughs> I mean, I Inception's a I fun. Feel bad for making that comparison. Inception's a fun movie. I I will defend Inception for being a fun movie. It's not as deep as everybody this, likes. The it. top still spinning. Careful, you don't lose viewers. Yeah, <laughs> it's, listeners. I, I mean, but yes. I don't give it, a shit. Fuck Inception. <laughs> oh, no, no. Inception's uh, fine. It's not as... It's I not that... I'm not going to feel bad about dislike. It's not that... It's not that deep. I'm not going to thesis on it, you know, anytime soon. It's not that deep, but it's it's a fun movie, but... We, I could go into shitting on Inception, but that's, that's not, not this, this episode. About, that's yeah. not this episode. <laughs> no, that's not what this podcast is about. Um, For another day. Yeah, uh, we didn't get too much into plot specifics, but uh, this is really a movie that I think if you're into slow burn, really tense, uncomfortable horror movies, this is a good one to watch. This movie, this movie worked really well for me. It plays on a lot of the hallmarks of noir. What were you gonna say, Ben? Oh, uh, I was just gonna say after the fact, once this movie is over, I just kept thinking about repulsion and how. A lot of the themes are very similar. Yes, that's true. Um, with uh, the exploration of loneliness and mental instability and insanity, 
<laughs> with a blonde female protagonist. Yeah. Um, the the difference is that Repulsion makes it pretty repulsion apparent. Repulsion is much more subjective, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, th- I think camera, so. We see it from Catherine Devenu's perspective throughout the whole movie. And, where and this movie gets to that level, but it takes its time shifting from objectivity and with, to subjectivity. And with Repulsion, it's it's so subjective, too, because you're really alone with her most of the time. There's interactions with other characters, but it's much more like this isolation is negatively affecting her psyche. And it's it's pretty obvious about that. Where with this one you don't really start to think too much about it being, uh, or about Cat being schizophrenic uh, or whatever until later in the movie but when it starts to... The, the, the loneliness affecting the mental stability thing definitely oh, sure. runs there's... through the whole Jones storyline, I think. Yeah, 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 for yeah, sure. for sure. I mean, there's, there's definitely parallels to I, be drawn. I, I definitely see similarities. For sure, I no, I see that. I see that too. Time to rate. Yeah, is it time? Um, yeah, I'll I'll start uh, without recapping too much of what I've said. Um, I was very very pleasantly surprised by this movie that I knew virtually nothing about. It actually made me want to watch his follow up. I'm the pretty thing that lives in the house because I've I've always heard that like it's good but really boring and nothing happens. So that's kind of steered me away from it. But to the wrong viewer, I could see certain people thinking that the Black Coat's daughter is boring, too. And in terms of, like, generic horror movies, not a whole lot does happen. Like, the climax is really good, but it's not just, like chock full of scares throughout but you know it's more it's tense, more nothing that's going on in this movie though, well right i i would not say that nothing is happening in this okay. movie it's it's extremely atmospheric and that's its strongest suit between the music and the cinematography and the sort of distance and the acting which is really good across the board like it's a i i was genuinely unsettled from the first shot to the last shot because it worked so well for me, um, I'm going to give this uh, a four and a half out of five. All right, yeah. Um, uh, I don't have too much uh, to add to that. I would, uh, I think I'll just, uh, I will say that I'm, I, I plan to go back and watch this film a second time. I would like to as well. I, I want to catch the beginning again and, and, and take it in now that I, I feel uh, I want to go into it with a with a better with a better eye. I would like uh, to and go a more optimistic eye because I was I was so flat at the beginning of this movie that I was I was a little skeptical of the beginning. I would like to go into it trying to examine the entire thing as a study of mental instability from the beginning yeah. because that didn't occur to me until later in the movie. Yeah, in the film. So I would love to watch this again with that in mind. Yeah, I agree. Um, and the other thing I know I'll be doing again in support of this movie is listening to the soundtrack oh, on yeah. its own. I can, I'm going to paint to that for days 
Yeah, that soundtrack was spectacular. It's really, really, really good. It's really effective. Cannot recommend that enough. If you're not interested in the film, but you still want to find some really gripping uh, and vivid ambient industrial, it it's oof, it's good. It's I good I think I think it was composed by. Yeah, shout out. I think it it must have been composed by somebody related to Oz Perkins, either his brother or uncle or something. Because the composer's name is like Joseph Perkins or something, yeah. they share the same last name, so I feel like there is a well, little nepotism. Of, oh, I, I'll say that it didn't feel like nepotism. Hey, no, it, it worked. Choice. It worked really well for me. Yeah. So, uh, what Maybe would you? It wasn't at all. What would you rate this, Cleve? Uh, I'm going to give it a hail Satan, hail Satan, hail Satan, hail Satan out of five hail Satans. So, so that's four out of five hail Satans. Correct. Okay. Correct. I think it, it. Yeah. Like like I said, uh, when this movie's on, it's on, and it it set out to do everything it it planned to, and you know, it, it wasn't the 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 film of the year for me or anything like that. But damn, if it you know it it, it hit it hit me well. I I felt great about it. Yeah. So, right on. Great movie. Four out of five. All right then. Um. Well, I think uh, in the past few years we've gotten a a trend almost of these very ambiguous, obtuse. Uh, art house horror movies I usually mean, produced by a24 yeah you see it comes at night the witch good night mommy i would even consider in that camp also produced by um, a24 outside of the witch though i think this is one of the more effective movies in that almost sort of subgenre. uh that's not to say this movie doesn't have flaws i think uh this movie sometimes is not is too subtle and sometimes is not nearly subtle enough. And I have a few uh, issues with the uh, structure of the movie, but I think when it's tense, it's tense as hell. And the soundtrack, like Cleve said, is killer. So I think, you know, the movie isn't without flaws, but I think I would give this movie a four out of five. So that will give the Black Coat's Daughter an average rating of 4.2 pods out of 5. And that will bring us to the end of this Late Night Boys episode. Whoop whoop. I know that we have not done a full-length episode in a while. Um, We will be doing one soon, but we're going to put it off at least one more week because Hereditary just came out, and... uh, we are, like, aching to see that movie. Yeah, we were going to cover it this week, but we were too busy moving. Too busy moving. Life. So, yeah, oh. life gets in the way of podcast. Truth. So we're, like, 90% sure that the next episode is going to be hereditary if we can get to the theater and see it. Um, so you can expect that next time and then we'll come at you with a full length episode after that. We promise. But if you like the show, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple podcasts or Spotify or Google play or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can follow the show on social media at pod people pod on Facebook and Twitter. Send us emails with recommendations, questions, anything you want. Social security card number, social security number, credit card number. Send me a movie pass. <laughs> send us a move send us movie passes Just pay for us pay for us cash. to go see movies podpeoplepod at gmail.com or do not actually send a social security number 
uh, I mean, or, or I mean, or do don't to do. Don't tell people how to live their lives. Don't tell people what to do. I just want to make sure it's not a felony or something. Just playing it safe. Just playing it safe. You know. Check out our letterboxed page for a complete list of all of the movies we've talked about on the show, uh, with some some taglines and uh, links to the full episodes. Uh, if you haven't listened to those already letterboxd.com l-e-t-t-e-r-b-o-x-d dot com slash pod people pod to uh, see all that give us a follow you can see what we're watching discuss the episodes with us and uh, yes, recommend also, us yes. some movies yeah if you have movie recommendations stuff that you'd want us to watch or you'd like to hear us talk about on the show send us those recommendations and we'll be adding them yeah. to our letterboxd yeah, uh, watch list on whatever there and we'll respond right away so. oh yeah send them all the flame on twitter you can yeah absolutely. get, get that um oh uh eugene wanted me to shout out uh because of you know the hook incident <laughs> uh he is looking for a robo penis um, well, he told me that he wanted one made out of wood. I told him that that would probably cause some splinters, yeah, but he was tons. really insistent on the wood. It's weird, because like, when, when I had talked to him, he had just watched RoboCop, and he, he just told me he wanted to be Ed 209. <laughs> well, maybe we can find a middle ground and get him like a clockwork penis that's brilliant uh, yeah. just full of gears yeah as I, many gears as possible if i know a brass worker we could we could commission peen punk Ooh, I like that. <laughs> nice nice <laughs> um you can follow me on twitter at mr van awesome Wait, would it be clockwork or would it be cockwork cockwork yeah, yeah. Okay. there we go peen punk cockwork um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know where to go from there. I don't think there's anywhere. To I don't know how to recover from oh, that's, that. That's a shark. Joke. I think. That's I it. think that's the end of our show forever. I think Cleveland has buried us. Yes. Um, Cleveland Mission accomplished. Sorry, right, boys. I'm out. Cleveland, do you have anything uh, you'd like to plug before we sign off? Uh, yeah, follow us on uh, uh, Light Arc Studios on Twitter primarily. Um, uh. And our YouTube channel as well, Light Arc Studios. We've got uh, some content we're putting out occasionally. Some updates on our game, which is It Stares Back. Uh, it's going to be a, a horror strategy game that uh, we've been cooking up over the past Not enough uh, of those. year now. And it's still revving along. Uh, hopefully there'll be a lot of updates on that pretty soon. So keep your ears to the rails. Now folks. that we're all in the same place, basically, right. we, it's, we can go full steam. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Sheets if you want to fight me about Inception and try to tell me why it doesn't suck. I'll fight you about Inception. <laughs> I'll also we'll fight you about Inception. Yeah. We'll, we'll start a Twitter feud. <laughs> All right, me and Cleveland versus Ben about Inception. All right, well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you, as always, for listening, and tune in next week to hear our thoughts on Hereditary. And until then, if your parents die, take it from me. Satan is not a good father figure. Goodbye. Goodbye.